an emergency pod, an emergency pod, brought to you by SI Sportsbook. Bet $10, get $300, use promo code SI300. So, there's been some pretty big news right this second. We're going to drop it like it's relatively hot. So, as we may have just heard, uh, in the realm of pushes and stuff, there's been rumors and swirling. Danny Ainge will become the new insert title of decision-making head of Bass Operations, GM, VP, whatever it is. He will be the ultimate basketball decision maker for the Utah Jazz. Wow. People thought he was sniffing around Portland. Um, now he's going to Utah, baby. BYU kid. Coming back home 60 years later? 60? 60. 60. <clears throat> so I kind of want to discuss, first off, you know, what, what, what can it be done? What's the appeal? The whole thing, right? So. I think, you know, Ainge kind of did his duty with the Celtics. I think he was a fantastic GM. And what makes someone a fantastic GM is a couple of things. First of all, it, admitting their wrongs and, and kind of trying to undo those. Uh, not being afraid of doing some drastic, I would say, draft day moves uh, for some, you know, removing some established beliefs. And <clears throat> most people are afraid of, you know, it's the kind of example in the NFL. I'll, I'll explain this. Why coaches don't go for it on fourth down, right? The reason why a lot of coaches don't punt on fourth or, or take a field goal or whatever it is is because it's a common decision, right? So if everyone, if, if you do the safe route, it's acceptable. But if you do the risky route and you miss, you look like you're the, the, the responsible person for losing that game or that series of events. But... <clears throat> This and and the basketball equivalent, I would say, is trading out of the number one pick, right? <clears throat> Most teams, if you're the GM, you get the number one pick. You know, you're gonna take a safe route. You're gonna do what, what makes the most sense. You're gonna take the best player, even if it doesn't make sense. It's just a safe play. I think what what gave Ainge to me one of the most incredible GM moves. He knew he liked Tatum. He was very adamant about it. He saw that Fultz was jumping on the boards. And look, <coughs> a lot of people were tying the Celtics to Fultz or the Celtics to Ball going into that draft. And the fact that he traded down with Philly um, to get Tatum was, you know, just really, I would say, one of the more eye-opening moves Um and Gutsy, obviously, it, it worked out, but the fact that he just <clears throat> is open to doing those is just is fantastic, right? And uh, that just shows his, like, go-for-it kind of nature. Um, so that was that was obviously a big deal. Then, obviously, there's other ones, right, where you talk about 08 and the deals leading up to Garnett. Um, <clears throat> and then taking over Boston, the first move he did... Uh, taking over the Celtics initially was trading Antoine Walker, right? He knew the team kind of wasn't going anywhere with the current direction and understood about pace and space before it was a hot thing and <clears throat> understood Walker was actually pretty inefficient, even though he was putting up some, some decent numbers and he got back kind of like a random package, but there was a lot of, you know, light benefits to each piece he got back and the, the totals um, 
it definitely matches some of the parts. So, so, so now the question becomes, okay, <clears throat> what can Danny Ainge do with Utah? The thing about the Jazz, which is quite interesting, is um, they they're pretty they're pretty safe. Just as a team, like they've been pretty safe. Now you could say, okay, that's because they've gradually gotten better. But if you look at the deals of, of that they've done, they're they're they hit a lot of singles and doubles, and <clears throat> they really just manufacture these, I would say, safer deals than crazy, right? So, a couple things come to mind right off the bat. So, obviously, you have your your base of Mitchell and Gobert, your two studs on the team. And then outside of them, you know, just smart signings, Joe Inglis, Royce O'Neal, I think one of the better, more underrated, you know, veteran pickups that uh, any team has done in the last decade. Um, and then outside of that, it's just, you know, then hitting on, I think, a nice medium move with knowing Dante Exxon when he was done and getting Jordan Clarkson in that deal. And now he's a, a future piece great. And then gradually just getting better. A lot of singles and doubles, right? Mike Connolly, I think, was the final real big push. They, they <clears throat> didn't have a lot of assets, dealt a lot of middling assets, and we were able to get Connolly. Fine. And, and, and the question really is, okay, so why do they hire Angel? What do they need to do? And can he do anything? So first is this Jazz team kind of maxed out their assets. They kind of, <clears throat> in the NBA, you have this phrase, you know, did you do your deal with the devil yet? That's what I call it, which is basically, did you max out your assets uh, fully to get the best possible piece you can get in order to try to make a run? I think the Jazz already did that with Mike Connolly a couple of years ago, right? You had Grayson Allen in that deal. You had picks. Uh, you had the whole shebang, and <clears throat> there wasn't that much to cash in, quite frankly, and they got the best player they probably could have gotten in Connolly. And the truth is he, he fits, right? Um, so now the, the concern becomes, what else can you do for Utah? Do they need to do, does Utah need to do anything else? What's their, what's their issue? So the Jazz right now clearly have a really strong regular season team. They have a absurdly clean A-man rotation. I think they have one of the most, best chemistries in the league, just watching them play. Everyone kind of knows <clears throat> everyone's strength to a T. And they're quite familiar with, you know, who's going to do what within a given, given role. So there's really no regular season concerns. Where they show a few red flags is nothing in the playoffs. And to me, there's, there's a, a big difference, right? So in the regular season, I think <clears throat> there's not a, there's a, some advanced scouting done, but teams are coming off back-to-backs or scheduling and stuff like that. So... Teams that have just great continuity and don't need, you know, much of a flow to get going, basically, <coughs> tend to do better in the regular season. And the Jazz, I think, just, you know, each and every night, and you saw this in the 90s with a few teams, like Indiana was a great regular season team throughout the 90s. Again, they had great consistency with the roster, the core, everyone kind of knew each other. So you get more of your talent when you when your chemistry uh, is that strong during the regular season. All right, now let's talk about the Jazz in the regular. We talked about the Jazz in the regular season. 
Um, let's talk about them in the playoffs. <clears throat> so they've had some issues, and I think last year they uh, this was quite disappointing. You're playing the Clipper team without Kawhi, and they can't close the deal, really? That, to me, is, is glaring. <clears throat> now, look, I understand they beat Memphis in the first round, which, by the way, wasn't convincing. They have not dominated teams in the playoffs, which you, you want to see from strong regular season teams. And then they struggled last year. You can say, hey, Aton, it was one year. What the hell? Okay, well, in the bubble, they lost to Denver. Now, it's a Connolly last-second shot. I get it. Um, <clears throat> but still quite bad. I'm not sure they beat the Clippers in that series, even though Denver did. So, look, I get it. It's been one year. Do we give them another shot? Maybe. <clears throat> What's the difference going to be, right? Well, look, in these playoffs, um, you know, do you, you know, if they're a top seed, if they're not going to have home court, do you really feel they're going to threaten Golden State, threaten Phoenix, or the L.A. teams? The other thing you have to be cognizant of if you're Utah is, well, uh, Golden State's really good. Could we even be going to see a seven-game series as um, presently constructed? So, you know, last year was the opening, basically. Golden State was, was out. The Lakers were, were hobbled. The Clippers were hobbled. And the Suns broke through. The Suns were the team that broke through. The Jazz could have, they could have easily been that team, right, that broke through. That was <clears throat> no one else's fault but them. Um, so now the question is, can they, can they break through again? What do you do? So, like, look, you could do the, uh, the the classic conservative doctor, the wait and see, and not do anything aggressive, right? And you could say, let's give it one more playoff run. Again, we have the most chemistry. Something's going to break through. There's no issue with our team. <clears throat> and hope, you know, you'll be the a top three seed, right? So, you know... Hopefully you can coast through, you know, maybe something gets lucky your way again, whatever, right? Or you could be aggressive now, and is there a benefit to waiting or not? I'll play both sides of this. So first is, um, I actually don't think, I, I, would, I would actually probably, and I'm not the GM, right? But I would probably do the wait and see, and the reason why I'm do the wait and see is because I don't think the trade value differs right now with anything else that they do. Meaning, if you're going to make a major... Like, who on the Jazz right now has lower trade value or is going to have lower trade value in the offseason than they would at the deadline? I don't think any of them, right? Like, I think... I don't care which route you go, right? Like, if you do the shooters, whether it's Inglis or Bogey, and you want to do something drastic there... Their value is high now. Their value is going to be high, even if they get swept in the first round. They're still going to have good value. There's scarcity and all that. If you want to do something with the Eiffel Tower or the, you know, with, with Rudy Gobert, um, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm just saying whether his value is going to be different. Um, you know, I think teams have their minds set up about shot-blocking centers, and I don't think that's, that's going away, right? So the teams that need shot-blocking centers... Will will make a run, and the teams that don't won't. And um, you know, if the playoffs you know prove that he gets played off the court, and that's maybe that d- diminishes his value. But it's not like you have an opening for a team right now <clears throat> that you're going to get good value with anyway for a Gobert, at least 
that I think of, right? So I don't, I don't see, um, I just don't see a move, which is the truth of the matter, right? We just don't see what, uh, what they can even theoretically do that's different, right? Uh, between now and then, so they should wait and see. Having said that, Danny Ainge is aggressive, and this is a podcast, so let's get this a little more fun. So let's assume Ainge needs to come in, and, he, and he's got to get a title contender. <clears throat> what are the moves he, he can do? Um, so let's kind of walk through just the core things we talked about, what kind of fits, and what's even out there. So if you're going to move, and first of all, I'll say this, right? I, I do think if... Even with Golden State playing well, and I get everyone's on their bandwagon, this is a, a softer period in uh, NBA history, and this is what I mean. Usually, when you're in between, you can tell when you're in between dynasties. So it's not like there's this uh, Goliath Golden State team out there. There's not this Durant Golden State team, right? That's an insane team, right? There's not even the original Golden State team, right? This, like, 70-ish win team that's clicking and everyone's in the prime. I, I don't think this Golden State team, they're the best team in the West. I get it. They are. They're, they're beatable, right? Those other teams did not seem beatable in a seven-game series. They're definitely beatable. Um, on top of that, you don't even have these, like, crazy talented teams like the Spurs, right? Or the early Lakers, or the Shaq Kobe Lakers, etc. So in the West right now, you you have an opening. And if I'm a GM of any of these teams, these openings don't last forever. So you gotta break through. And by the way, the same thing is true in the East. If Kyrie Irving does not come back, there's an opening. Milwaukee was that last year, and they got through, right? The other truth is with COVID. <coughs> There's a lot of these late injuries that happen, etc. So you, you do have more opportunity to get lucky. Now, you can't bank on that, but it definitely definitely exists more than it did before. Let's just, let's just say that, right? So given all of that, um, let's, let's ask the question now. Okay, you know, maybe, maybe you know, so it's less about, well, will the values change? And more about, um, do we have a window now? Can we take advantage? And I'll say this on the flip, right? If Golden State loses, so they don't win the title, which is a decent probability. Um, it's not low, but it's definitely not high. It's under 30 40% that they win. So it's a, a majority shot that they don't win. Cold State loses, they're going to have a package they could put together to make a, a, a run at someone. You know, they're going to have Kabinga, Moody, and all those guys, and they could get another piece that then makes them unbeatable, right? I mean, we don't know who that is. I could throw out names, I could say like Brandon Ingram, whatever, all this stuff. We don't know. But they're going to have at least the pieces to do that, and other teams are going to push. And then Kyrie Irving might come back. And now that window closed, and it's not so much of a kind of this uncertainty thing that, that was in the past, right? So <clears throat> definitely, uh, 
definitely a bigger a bigger thing to, to consider. Fine. Um, so great. We we've kind of covered why it could make sense for Ainge to to kind of make this uh, this more aggressive move now, and we explained it. Okay. Okay, new. So what's the aggressive move? Well, again, like, you could trade some spacers and get, you know, win now talent. I guess it's possible. Um, you know, who, who's, who's kind of out there, right? That's what you, that's the, that's the sort of, you know, the equation you got to do. So let's, let's kind of play it off. Is there a star out there? I'm going to reframe it. Is there a star out there that we can kind of condense and, and, and make a move for? So I'm going to give you an example. So I think one of the interesting trade targets to look at is Brandon Ingram on, on, on the Pels. Um, <clears throat> I do think uh, New Orleans is going to have to do something. I think Griffin's got to be on the hot seat. Um, there's no timetable when Zion's going to come back. They might get a really good, you know, they might have a good pick in that asset. Um and maybe you could flip that or, or, or something, but like, you got to do something pretty drastic. Um, so then the question becomes: Is there, you know, is there a move out there um, that kind of gets you that talent? And let's actually, I'll take a step back. What do the Jazz need? That's a better question, right? So we don't works well. I think in in the playoff series where there's an incredible amount of scouting and the defenses clamp up, they definitely need more. Um, offensive talent. They need someone else who can get themselves a bucket um, who's more of a star player in that in that role, right? I can play a little two-way. I think there's a dependency in Conley to be more of an offensive threat, and he's just not that, and Mitchell can only do so much. You can't depend on Mitchell like they had the series with Denver to kind of average 40 and all this stuff, right? I think you need to get Mitchell and see some help. He needs another guy who's capable of scoring 20 to 30 uh, and giving himself a bucket. <clears throat> Now, if you're the Pels, I could see they need spacing desperately, right? So, you know, Bogdanovich makes sense. Inglis makes sense. Clarkson can make sense, right? I can see them, you know, being interested in some kind of larger two, three for one, whatever it is, to, to do that. But then, again, you're making yourselves real thin. So I'm not 100% sure, but it does seem something that's at least interesting. Um <clears throat> You know, but you got to go over sort of who are the scoring targets. Okay, so fine. So if Ingram's a target, um, you know, do you have those pieces to, to make something like that work? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't tend to think you do, but um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that that's the best fit. Let me go team by team here a little bit. So <clears throat> now you have smaller targets. You have guys like Cam Reddish, but again, they're not going to muster the same stuff for you. I think an interesting idea, <clears throat> thinking about this out loud, and I'm not sure um, that uh, Atlanta or Utah does this. I think an interesting target is Jason Collins. I do. And here's why I, I say that. Um, I, I do think the he'll be more of a scorer for the Jazz. He plays really well in that role. <clears throat> and the Jazz have better fits for Atlanta. They need, they need small forwards. The Jazz have three small forwards. 
and the rotation. I mean, the, the, you know, Joe Inglis, Bogey, um, and Royce O'Neal all play the three. Now, I'm not, you can't get any one of them, obviously, for, uh, for Collins, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think... I'm going to throw, like, a concept out there, right? Like, if you did... Because um, they're looking for a first for Cam, right? So you could do Collins and Cam Reddish for, you know, uh, Royce O'Neal and, and Bogdanovich and, like, two future firsts or a future first, okay? And it could be part of the grace, you know, well, that was a different deal with Conley, fine. They're not that far apart. Now, <clears throat> or you could make a run at a DeAndre Hunter who's going to, you know, has some office potential too, could play more of the four. So forget Collins. You could do Hunter, um, you know, for Joe Inglis and, and try to get a move there. So there's an interesting idea with Atlanta. Is that enough firepower? I don't know. It's an interesting concept. <clears throat> That's one. <coughs> but basically, the moves are going to be, do you consolidate your wings and make a big run on another scoring big. Um, or do you deal Mitchell for two players? That's that's the moves. Th- that's it. Those are the two. I, I you know so we'll, I'm gonna go through both scenarios. So the wing stuff. So Atlanta's one. Collins or, or, or Hunter. Boston, yeah, you're not going to get those pieces. Charlotte, uh, they miss Hayward, I get it, but no. Chicago, all right, now we're getting a little interesting. Um, They're not going to give you um, a a score there. Cleveland, you could make a run at Sexton. You could alleviate the Cavs of their concerns. You could do a deal with, like, Conley and one of the wings, and get back Sexton and Kevin Love. I've, I've heard worse ideas, right? That's a pretty risky move because Sexton could be a chemistry killer. Uh, Dallas, this just has nothing to give you. Denver, um, yeah. Most of these teams are not going to have much to give. Detroit's interesting. They have Grant, again. <clears throat> you just give them space so you don't have any assets. Detroit's going to want assets. Gold State, they're your competitor. Houston. Yep, there could be some minor deals out there using Gordon to get a house. Is that going to move the needle? Eh. Indiana. Indiana <clears throat> is probably something. There's probably something there. So they got Karis Levert. That's that's an angle for sure. Where they could have um, Bogey goes to, <clears throat> um, you know, Team Zed, and then Asset goes to Indiana. In fact, Atlanta's a great three-way there, where someone like Hunter or Reddish and Pieces or whatever, Reddish and, and Jawan Johnson, go to Indiana. So Karis Levert's actually an interesting target if you're Indiana. Let's keep going. The LA teams, yeah, they don't have much. Um... Miami, they're not going to help you out. <clears throat> I'm going to flip here. Milwaukee, 
Minnesota, nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, New York. You know, I, I guess you could make a, a move. You know, they're not going to move Randall so easily. Um, so, no, there's not, there's not really a move there that works. Um, Orlando, Philadelphia. <clears throat> Tobias Harris is interesting. Um, Simmons is interesting, of course. He always is. Would they do spacers for Simmons? They said they want a top 25 player. Would they do, you know, bogey and Clarkson for Simmons as an example? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Could get them intrigued. Portland. Mm. You know, can you get McCollum for, for some of those wings? Is that worth it? McCollum is, is tiny and doesn't really help the guard rotation. Memphis, so sorry, New York, New Jersey, Orlando, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland. <clears throat> I think Sacramento is interesting. I think Buddy Heald is a guy that you can make a run at um, and get like another. Yeah, I like that. But, but like again, is it bogey for Buddy and? You just hope he just does a little more offense and, and that wins you a series. I don't think that's enough. I think you need a little more. Um, yeah, Sacramento, uh, OKC, no. Memphis. I think Toronto's got something, right? So <clears throat> Toronto's got Siakam. Um, is there something there? Maybe. And then Washington, of course. Washington's a deep team. Again, do you have wings you can deal on? I don't know. So there's, there's really not much out there. I think Atlanta, <coughs> there could be something. Indiana, there could be something. Um, thinking out loud, I actually think um, an interesting target is going to be Indiana, and Sabonis could be someone. So you could do wings against him and deal with, with Atlanta and, and go after Sabonis. Now, I'm going to throw another crazy hypothetical. Let's say you want to go the two-for-one. What two players can you get for Mitchell, and, and, and does that do it? Um, look, an interesting idea is, is, let's say you threw Mitchell. So let's say you do same idea. Uh, you're trying to get more pieces in fine. So it's Mitchell to Atlanta. And, you know, they want to re, you know, bogey, hunter, and reddish. That's the deal. So Mitchell goes to Atlanta, bogey, hunter, and reddish, or bogey, hunter, and Jawan Johnson, or some combination. Go to Indiana, Sabonis, and um, <clears throat> Sabonis and Levert go to Utah. I don't know. That, that's the move. That's probably your only move. You got you to do something with Atlanta or Indiana. Um, but yeah. I think it's a three-way. That's probably your best bet, right? So, um, just to kind of, you know, set it, you know, in a clean way and recap and put a bow on this bad boy. Unfortunately, your 
your only logical move um, is going to be with Atlanta and Indiana. And the question here for Utah is, you know, what combination works, basically, right? Do I like <clears throat> trying to get something with around Gallinari, Collins? Atlanta needs to do something, though. Um, or do I do something with um, Indiana? And let's kind of go through that team, right? Let's just say, let's just say they do it. Let's just say it's, let's say it's Mitchell, right? So let's say it's, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell goes to Atlanta. Atlanta's really going to make a run. Reddish, Hunter, um, you know, Reddish, Hunter, and uh, Bogey go to Indiana. Let's say it's like, I don't know, Sabonis and like Justin Holiday or so, so, you know, uh, Sabonis, Justin Holiday, and Levert go to Utah. Something, something like that. Okay, let's go through the new lineup. Connolly, Levert, can Levert do what Mitchell's been doing? Okay, Bogey, Sabonis, Gobert. Does Sabonis and Gobert work together? Eh, it's not great. Then you got English. I mean, you're, you're deeper, right? You're gonna have you have some combination of Clarkson, English. Um, let's say Royce O'Neal off the bench. You can go a clean eight deep. Um, the question is going to be: Is it enough offensive firepower? If you got the Olivert, maybe. You'd probably, I think if you're moving Mitchell, you want to get two two guys that can score, right? And you're kind of getting one, and you're kind of getting guys who could do three-quarter scoring with Levert and uh, Sabonis. Now, I don't think Levert's a bad option. <clears throat> I think it could be, it just, it just complicates the deal, but it's basically, you could do parts, go to Atlanta, and you get back parts. So maybe if it's, making this up, maybe if it's like Hunter, um, goes back to Utah uh, or Collins. I don't know. I don't know what Mitchell's worth. Is Mitch, can Mitchell get you Collins? All right, let's flip it around. Let's say it's Mitchell goes to Atlanta um, and they realize, hey, we have Hunter and Gallinari. So, <clears throat> you know, uh, Collins, um, Reddish, and a Pick or Collins Reddish and Jawan Johnson. So Reddish and Jawan Johnson go to Indy. Lavert and Collins. Ooh, that's interesting. Lavert and Collins to Utah for Mitchell, basically. That's probably the move. That's probably the other move you can do. And you're, you're building, um, putting a lot of pressure on Snyder. Totally get it. Um, <clears throat> you're hoping there's enough firepower there that Collins is going to give you a lot. It still makes sense with, with Gobert. Um, that could be good. I'd prefer Collins over Sabonis. Um, Sabonis is probably easier to get, but um, it doesn't make as much sense. Or again, there's a lot of mixes around here. It could be Sabonis. Maybe Sabonis goes to Atlanta? Yeah, they go small. I mean, it's all possible, right? Um, but yeah, I definitely do see, uh, I do see something there. All right, let's see what Danny Ainge does. You heard my idea. It involves Atlanta and Indiana. Move Mitchell, get yourself some combination of, of Levert and, and Collins. And I think that team, <clears throat> I think that team contends. I do. All right.
but a fire a bombshell nonetheless. Danny Ainge to Utah. And remember, guys, bet 10, get 300. Promo code SI300. Only at SI Sportsbook. Only available for players of Colorado. They'll be available for players of Virginia soon. Take care.